Come on, man. Hey, guys. It's just a fight. Hey, what's going on, guys? Here at the Swamp. Get ready to beat LSU. Y'all tune in to the Rule Number One podcast on Monday. Yeah. Welcome in. Rule One podcast. Brian Spradlin, Nathan Smothers. Today we got us Mr. Danny Coca, our special guest star. You know, the Florida man, as me and Nathan like to refer to him as. Come on. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, guys. So a little bit about Danny. Um, he uh, he works in the citrus industry in Florida. So we're going to do a little bit of diving into um, the citrus industry, kind of the effects of uh, Hurricane Ian and uh, how that has affected um, agriculture as a whole. Um, and then we're going to find out a little bit about him and um, and his background and where he's come from. So, so Danny, your official title is a crop insurance agent. Right or uh, crop adjuster? Okay, okay. Um, man, that's pretty sweet. Uh, yeah, yeah. you get a you got a brand new F one fifty you're riding around in. Well, yeah. new to you. Um, for your work truck and you're going all over the state pretty much. Right. Doing what exactly? So it's not just citrus; it's mainly citrus. And you know what we do is is you know they you get claims like for the hurricane that just passed. We're working hurricane claims, so we got to stop by and see all these you know growers and farmers and. Before they can make any kind of, you know, decision on what they're going to do with their fields, we have to go by and look at it first and decide if they're going to do that. Because if they do things without our consent, then they can lose money off of that. So, you know, your job that you've just taken, you're a young guy, you're 22, yep, 22 years old. So, what I'm getting at is how has taken this job kind of affected your life? And we like to ask all of our guests, our Question off the rip. What is your number one rule to live by? Okay. Well, first, the job has affected my life, you know, tremendously in a good way. You know, coming out of college, I was, uh, you know, looking for jobs, and I was set to take a $15 an hour job. And then I got a call from my supervisor, and then I got this job, which is, you know, it's been a blessing, and it's a lot better than what I was going to have. And in terms of, you know, my number one rule, I kind of like to live by two things. And, you know, the first is, you know, don't judge people, you know, because if you judge people, that really doesn't make you any better of a person than, than them. And also, I like to put myself in, you know, in their shoes, even if I don't agree with them. Like, why do they think like that? What would make them think like that? Things like that. Yeah, I really enjoy that because especially like nowadays, um, I feel like the world is like either like full of hate or full of like there's such a division in the world. And I feel like everybody, you know, we all we all hear about it. You walk into Walmart and you're like, yeah, there's a lot of characters in there. And you walk into Walmart and instantly off the rip, you're like, what are they wearing or what are they doing? Right. And and I feel like if we can all kind of have that same mindset of being like, well, you know, let's put myself in uh, their shoes. Why would they pick those shoes today? <laughs> well, well, I'm the first person to tell you, like when I meet somebody, I'm going to judge them off of how they talk like how they pronounce things how they you know carry themselves one and then two who are they like what kind of person are they are they you know a good person are they you know have good intentions right. they have a good background um i'm going to figure out who they are first before i make a judgment of whether or not i want to be around this person right, for right. myself yeah um but i think a lot of people need to start doing that it's kind of seeming nowadays if you're associated with certain beliefs, you have a certain rep, I guess, right. towards you already. And people kind of just, you know, write you off. Like, oh, they I don't label know. you. Yeah, they right. label you. Exactly. Stereotype. Stuff like that. And I just think a world, the world would be a whole hell of a lot better place if people just, you know, I'm going to get to know this person before I make my 
And, you know, if if you decide, like, that's not the kind of person you want to be around, then you don't got to be around them. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and if you do got to be around them, you got to work with them, you know, just make it work, you know? But that's pretty much it. That's a a pretty mature perspective to look at it. Like, you know, me and you might not get along here, but we work together. We got one common goal. Right. Let's do our job, and then that's it. I'll see you tomorrow when I come in and work again. Right. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, you don't necessarily have to be friends with your coworkers. Right. I mean, I feel like that also starts with good leadership and management and everything, too. Um, As long as you can get your workers to buy in, it doesn't necessarily have – I mean, obviously, you want the healthy environment where everybody gets along and has a good time. But, I mean, there's – people in all different backgrounds and all different beliefs. And, you know, the reality of the fact is not everybody's going to be able to get along with each other. So if you can get them motivated enough to be able to go attack the day and go seize the goals that you've always wanted, yeah. I mean, that's the end goal, I feel like. Yeah. You know, Danny, he brought up backgrounds and beliefs. You know, your personal background, it's very, very broad. Um, I know your family history right. in this state, uh, how they got here. You are a Cuban-American. Cuban, um, Colombian. Uh, yeah, American. And it's just crazy, you know. We've grown up in the same area right. for a long time and knew each other for a little while. Our backgrounds are so different, though. Like, my right. my grandparents came from, like, California a long, long time ago and moved here. Right. And your parents came from home, or your grandparents came from a whole new country. Mm-hmm. Like, how does that affect, like, you know, your rule to live by? Did they instill anything in you that affected that? Well, you know, my my grandparents, you know, my grandparents came from Cuba with my dad on my dad's side and my mom, she came from Colombia. She was born in Colombia. Now the situation on my mom's side was a lot better than the situation on my dad's side. You know, my mom, she lived a, you know, a normal childhood in Colombia, which is it was it's a good country. It's not a, you know, compared to Cuba, which is like there's a dictatorship and there's all this stuff going on and if you can get out of the country, you can. If you can't, you got to try to, you know, make it on a boat. You know, luckily, my grandparents were able to get, you know, approval to bring the whole family to the United States when they did. But it just kind of, it just kind of gives you, like, a different form of, like, you're just lucky to be in a A different perspective. Right. Yeah, yeah. You're in a country where you can do pretty much anything you want to do or be anybody you want to be without any restrictions. And, you know, a lot of people around here, especially in this country, take freedom like that. Granted, yeah, they do 100%. And I also feel like, I mean, you see a lot of in politics now, a lot of people are talking about where there's you know, there's a lot of open borders and people are flocking in, and a lot of people look down on that the whole immigration laws, depending on how you feel about it or not. Let's put ourselves in their perspective. I mean, people coming from Mexico alone, I mean, they're trying to get out of there and try to get to the United States and make a better like life for themselves. I'm not necessarily, you know you got to do what's best for your country or whatever, but you put in their perspective, I mean, I think the United States of America is one of the best countries to live in, and so who wouldn't want to try to come right. live here and live free and not have a corrupt government or a corrupt um, society around? You know, I would like to try it all. See it all, at least. That'd yeah. be cool. You know, get a perspective from everybody's view. Go right. around the world, see different places. It'd be my dream to travel and, you know, get a different worldview, I guess, from that point. So, but- Dan- so, Danny, uh, do you have any cool stories like that your grandparents have said from uh, Cuba or Colombia, either side, um, um, from back over there or whatever? In terms of, you know, just cool stories or just stories in general, you know, they, they tell us things about, like, you know, my my grandparents, they're, they're country people. Like, they grew up on farms in, in Cuba and stuff like that. And my grandpa would tell me stories of my great-grandpa, who I never met, 
and you know he had he had a basically a ranch in Cuba that would go from it was like 500 acres to the ocean, and he's telling me stories about you know they get on a boat not not just any kind of boat like just a little a wood piece of wood in the water you know yeah. <laughs> and freaking catching tarpon you know right there on the farm. That's crazy, and it's just and then you hear the other side of stories like you know when the dictatorship took over. They took people's land. They can, dry, they dry can I ask rivers you and stuff what, like that? I wanna, like, what time period is this? That had to be maybe fifties, fifties, sixties. Yeah, okay. yeah, around that time period. But then you hear sad stories like that, where people just take all your land away and they did what they want when they dried up rivers. You know, stuff like that. It's just kind of disheartening. So, with to continue on that story a little bit, did the dictatorship seize your great grandpa's land, or you know? I'm not 100% sure. I've, I never really thought of asking that question just because, but I'm sure it probably did, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's kind of hard to tell a dictatorship with the military no right. at well, that yeah. point. I mean, you're one man against a whole government. The army. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, I don't know if you guys know this, but over there, there's no... You don't you don't own weapons. You don't have the right to do that. Yeah, right? that, I mean, so. the, I'm pretty sure the United States and select areas around the world, there's only... You know, we're the only country that openly lets right. our citizens carry firearms legally. Like, yeah. well, sharpen your machete. That's about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's one thing a lot of people have talked about, like in terms of our government, is um, they don't think that the United States will ever get like invaded on our home turf because we have the like world's biggest militia. I mean, like, every, it's open to be able to carry or not necessarily open carry, but you're open to be able to have weapons. And so if there comes an army onto the United States of America, I mean, obviously, there's going to be citizens that try to protect right. their land and everything. And so on top of having our military, we have the whole right. country that owns guns that can, you know, protect themselves. Wouldn't be a good idea. Yeah, that would, yeah no, not <laughs> Especially at all. Especially not around this part of right. the state where we're from. Yeah. You know, Grady Judge or, uh, <laughs> or Judd, sorry, the... You know, viral, famous sheriff of our county here. You know, he encourages his citizens to own firearms. Right. Yeah. Y'all have seen that video. Yeah. yeah. Did y'all see what he recently said? I mean, we're going to be talking about the hurricane and everything. Um, Grady Judd, he it went viral, and he said, uh, if there are looters that are come into the county and that are looting after these terrible, like, events have occurred and are taking things from people's homes that are destroyed— he said, "Shoot them and turn until they turn to uh, shredded cheese." Dude, he's like, he's like very, very blunt. Yeah, he's yeah. I did the shredded cheese comment. I will say, I was watching the news like three days after that happened, and somebody, some marketing genius out there, had a pack of shredded cheese, right? And it had Grady Judd's face <laughs> on the pack of cheese, and they were selling it. That's crazy. Yeah, dude. Have you seen the one where uh, he goes, "Just eat a moon pie." Yeah. <laughs> Relax. Take a chill pill. Quit Eat a moon people. pie. Quit, mo- <laughs> quit murdering people. Eat a moon pie. <laughs> but let's let's get back on topic yes. a little bit. Um, Danny, we want to talk a little bit more about your uh, your job. And, um, you know, we mentioned you obviously work in the citrus industry. Do you see, um, you know, a decline, a rise? What What's the citrus industry doing nowadays? It's, it's a major decline. And, you know, it's, it's sad because... You know, this year, you know, for farmers within the crop year, they've had to deal with a freeze and they've had to deal with the hurricane now. And, you know, I don't have the stat on me right now, but I know that there is a significant percentage of uh, expected yield, which is what they're going to get per box this year. 
compared to what they've gotten just in previous years. To explain real quick, to explain what the yield is, that's basically the amount of crop that you have on the tree. So, you know, you the amount of oranges you have that, you know, the tree produces or, right. yeah. You know, my family's been involved in the citrus industry, or they were. Um, I know my grandpa worked in it for 50-plus years, right. and his grandpa did too, and they did citrus transport. Um, is greening, I know when I worked, when I was in the teenage years, I worked in the groves, and greening was a significant you know, thing happening, killing off tree after tree after tree, making people and owners have to replace them. Is that still affecting, like, the yield today? The greening and the canker are the two major things that are affecting them. And, you know, they come out, basically, the way that uh, a guy I used to work for, a grower, he would explain it to me as, to keep these trees alive, you basically got to keep them on steroids. Mm -hmm. So you got to, you know, inject them with herbicides and stuff like that. Spray them. Spray them and do all that stuff just to be able to get them through to the picking time. Now, there's some other people, which there's locals, that it's a new thing now, that they're building like these huge 100-acre greenhouses. And the way, and supposedly what I've read on it, they've they've added a plant. They haven't had to plant as much as they had, less water, and five times the yield. So that might be the new way to, you know, save the citrus. It's well, just if you want to cover all that land. If they're getting mm-hmm. five times the yield off of these greenhouse, you know, groves, um, people are moving to Florida. It's a right. con. Like, we, grove owners are selling off to real mm-hmm. estate agents and big company, construction companies day after day here in Florida, and there's more condos getting built up. If you can get five times the yield from a, you know, greenhouse grove, that might be the new, like, generation. Right. That might be the new groves. That might be how Florida continues to keep up in the citrus industry with keeping up with the amount of people moving here. The the problem with that, um, I mean, that's part of my job. I, I, I do. I'm a caretaking manager is my title. So the problem with the greenhouses is the cost up front. Yep. I mean, yeah. it's it's ridiculously mm-hmm. expensive. I mean, you got to think, you know, your average your average um, plot of groves or whatever, um, or block is, uh, it's like about 40 acres, 30, 40 acres. And so, I mean, if you've got, 3,000 acres of groves and you're going to greenhouse yeah. everything. I mean, you've got to think it. about the metal and the poles to go up. you got the screening that goes in. Then you got to run all your irrigation through everything. Then you're probably going to replant it as a whole and start as a brand new grove. I to. mean, so you're talking millions of dollars. Yeah. You're not, you're not up front. Yeah. You're not necessarily building these greenhouses around your grove. You're pushing over. everything, starting completely over and then doing it. So you're talking millions of dollars of startup cost. Well, I feel like, with how the world's moving and how bigger companies are taking over everything. You mentioned the greenhouse groves around here. They're owned by Dundee, I'm pretty sure. Dundee. Yeah, which is a pretty big name in the citrus industry around Florida. It kind of seems like the mom-and-pop places, you right. know, they might be able to hold on, hold on, hold on right. as long as they can and hold out and keep doing it the natural way. But eventually, like, evolution's going to take over. Like, it's it, you're going to have to keep up with everybody competing in the same field right at one point and if that's the new turn it's going to be tough for a mom and pop place to keep going right and for a lot of these growers they are just mom and pops yeah you know, there's not i mean there's your you got your you know your ben hill griffin the citrus the dundee the stuff like that but a lot of these growers they're just they just started out had a bunch of land and accumulated it over time from their family so that kind of stuff they're just going to keep riding it as long as they can. If they need to replant, they'll replant. And if it dies, mm-hmm. you know, start over. Well, that what's crazy is um if you look around the world today, I believe the average farmer is 55 years old. 
And so if you see this, I mean, this is average too. So, I mean, it's almost retirement age is the average farmer. Um, and so a lot of these people is, I mean, I'm sure Danny's seen it. A lot of these men are, or women are stuck in their ways. And so they don't want to evolve with times and times necessarily aren't working. And they try to come up with solutions, but, you know, they've done the same thing for 40 years and have great profit margins. Why are they going to change this now? And so I think that's part of the struggle of right. developing the citrus industry is because your average farmer is 55 years old. Why am I going to start all new at 55? Well, I think that's a part of it too. You said like they're 55 and they like to hold out. Well, let's just say a hypothetical mom and pop gives this citrus industry to their only son, mm-hmm. you know, and only son is into, you know, business law. And oh, man, I have 45 acres out there that are worth this much money that I could put towards, you know, my dreams. I can start my business. And that's a big problem nowadays in the citrus industry because that's what it's coming to. A lot of these older people that have owned groves around here are starting to sell out, like Ben Hill Griffin. Um, right. not Well, not Griffin necessarily, the one in Lake Wales, uh, Hunt Brothers. Right. Those guys sold all their, a lot of property off, um, shut down the plant over there, I'm pretty sure, so. to realtors. And they, they're chasing a different dream. They wanted to use the money from their past families to go do something else with it. That, and that one piece that they sold was nothing for them. Oh, I mean, it was, yeah. was 4,000 acres, but that was just a big, I mean, yeah, they got rid of it, but they're not hurting by any oh, yeah, no, the no industry. <laughs> that is very true. There's still a lot of money in the industry, but with everything, time and change happens. Evolution happens. Mm-hmm. And that's with everything. Agriculture, life, technology. It, it, that's what we do as humans. Florida's for sale. Yeah. Literally. It, it, literally. They're buying it up. Big time. Um, Dan, you know, Obviously, we're kind of titling this episode The Florida Man. So we want to hit on all different kind of aspects of being a, a Floridian, um, Floridian. This hurricane, man, I mean, how how did it affect you? How did it affect the citrus industry? I mean, what are some of the things you've seen? Did you go down, you know, southwest Florida? Have you seen any of that area? Um, just tell us about it. So me personally, you know, it didn't affect us too much. You know, just had a couple of trees down at the house. You know, the usual, you know, Florida man stuff. You know, yeah. you, you have a couple of trees down right here. So, I mean, yeah. you, you know, everybody knows what it's like to go through a hurricane unless you're not a Floridian. But uh, in terms of, like, going down south for work, I did go down south. I went down to Fort Myers, Arcadia, stuff like that, you know, where it really got hit. Mm-hmm. And you really see the damage. I mean, you see 40-year-old trees completely uprooted out of the ground. Actually, there was a grove that I went to in Arcadia heading towards Fort Myers two weeks before the hurricane. I went there a couple of days after the hurricane. It was completely damaged, 100% damaged. Mm. Like the trees and everything. Just they gone, were uprooted. Gone. Yeah. Everything was gone. Man, I went down to Inglewood, which is right. 25 to 30 minutes north of Fort Myers, and I handed out supplies and stuff after the hurricane, and it was leveled. Like yeah. big truck or big trees tumbled over. Um, mangroves like on the bay just stripped of all the leaves. It was insane. They looked like... It was a frost, a frost took over and all the huh. leaves fell off. It was crazy looking. And I, it was just, it's nuts to see all that. And I'm sure it affected every single agricultural person right. in that area tremendously. Yeah, I saw this, uh, I saw this video. And I mean, obviously you can't trust everything you see on the internet and believe everything you've seen on the internet. But uh, this guy, he's, he's standing in one of the streets in Fort Myers. And I mean, he's standing waist deep in water, like in the street. And he's walking up to his business. He goes, let's see how it's fared. And, and, like, he showed the camera inside his business, and it's 
bone dry. I mean, and this is four foot of water. Mm-hmm. And uh, he goes, I guess Flex Seal works. And apparently, <laughs> <laughs> apparently, he had Flex Sealed the uh, the lining of all of his doors and everything. And allegedly, it worked. I, I mean, it could just be a little. Hey, that's a joke. smart. That's new a smart ship, right there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> dude, that's a new. That's a new label right there for that guy, that business owner. I saw Everglades Fishing Company in Everglades City. Um, man, that guy's store was underwater. Like the next day, he went and had to check on his store with a boat. Like all of it, it was it was bad. But you know, about two weeks ago, I saw him post on his Instagram story, back up and running. You know, these people in Florida, they don't yep. they. they they get after it when something like that happens. I know the day after the hurricane, I went over to my parents' house, helped them out, cleaned up the yard, cut down trees, and then went back to my yard and my house, did all the stuff. Came over to Nate. Wow. <laughs> right? <laughs> Got hammered. Wow. Um, yeah, so I'll, I'll go into that a little bit. Um, I live on a lake. You know, we, uh, we've we talked about the where we record. We call it the Grove. I live... Um, in a citrus grove, or basically. Yeah, we're looking at trees like right yeah. there, and uh, and we're on a lake, and so um, the Peace River, which is a pretty popular river that runs through the state of Florida, um, there's creeks that run off of it, and one of the creeks run into the lake I'm on, and so whenever, obviously, when you get the piles and piles of water on the state, like the hurricane, the Peace River floods. So whenever the Peace River floods, so do the creeks. Well, the creek was funneling into the lake I was on. and Dang, uh, sure did. And so I was, I had water surrounding my whole house. Nothing ever got wet, but, I mean, you stepped out of my garage, and we had water right next to our sandbag. So well, uh, you it, have, like, this beautiful road coming in onto the property, like, right down by the lake. It's so pretty yeah. when it's nice and sunny outside. And then the day after the hurricane, I was pulling up, I was like, I'm gonna try to help some others now. I didn't even get to the shoulder where you like go down towards the house and the dirt road. I just looked down and I saw the lake was just yeah. The lake was over the grove and the trees have became or the lake and the trees became one together. There was no more road. I was like, well, I'm not going down there, and I hope my friend's not down there. But if I need to go check on him, I will. Yeah, uh, there was a power line actually in the lake too, where where it was supposed to be the road. The uh, the power line have fell and uh, fall down. fallen down on the road um and then the lake had come up so much um and so we literally were having storm surge in slap middle of the state it's basically what was happening um was a surge but one of one of the craziest things that happened in a storm for me is uh so being that the lake's there my septic and um and uh drain field um is all right there so whenever the water comes up my drain field will flood and back up my septic and then you can't flush a toilet really so i had a submersible pump in my septic tank (laughs) Okay, so I was making sure like everything was pumping out and we had some people over here kind of hunkered down and uh, I run outside to, you know, check on my pool. I had to pump water out of my pool, had to pump the septic and I was just running back and forth all throughout the storm. So I'm checking on this pump, making sure it's going down and all of a sudden I hear crack, 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 crack. And this huge, I mean, I'm saying huge pine tree just starts falling and I'm outside and like I just start running. And so all of a sudden, <laughs> and I like had, I mean, it's dark. Like this is at 1030 at night while the storm is like on top of us. Yeah. And, uh, and it was I bad. Just, it was starting to get bad at that yeah. time. And so like, I was scared. And so all of a sudden I heard crack, 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 crack. And I start running and I got to the point where this tree had fallen right over top of my head. Like it like fell parallel to me, but the branches, when they start branching out was like right in front of me. Like it about got me, like it was falling towards me. And I was, I thought I was running this other direction. It was 
going right towards me. So uh, I was blessed. I, uh, I I made it through. <laughs> made it out scot free. Yeah, you I, lost one of your nine lives there, cat. Yeah, I walked back inside. I was like, guys, we're just not going to flush the toilet. Um, <laughs> I'm not going back <laughs> yeah. out there. Deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> Go in a bucket or something. I don't know. There's a but, pool right yeah. there. But yeah, no, Dan. I know this is a this is another huge point in your life. Uh, you just got engaged. Yeah, recently, dude. Didn't congratulations. You? Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So uh, the Florida man got tamed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, a fun fact. Um, she's here with us today. She's she's not gonna be on the mic, but uh, you you call uh you call Madison your heifer, right? Yeah, that's my heifer, <laughs> my old sow, you name it. <laughs> <laughs> old lady's heifer, my old lady. Uh, yeah, Dan and Dan and I uh, spend a lot of time together, and I'll be like, hey Dan, uh, you want to hang out or whatever? And he'd be like, oh, I got to talk to the old heifer, and it just it cracks me up every time. I can time, imagine, but. dude. If I had said that to my girlfriend, she'd lose it. <laughs> she'd lose it at, at me. <laughs> I'm going to try it out, though. When I get home after this today, I'm going to be like, hey, Heifer, and see what shoe gets thrown at me. You want to get some supper wholesale? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Danny, speaking of the, like the hurricane, what was the you know craziest thing you saw down there or in the agricultural world? Like, did you just see? Well, like I said, the like just seeing about 100 acres of trees just plowed and uprooted. It looked like somebody went in there with a machine and just, you know, pulled yeah. them out. That. And I had to get to one of the groves. I had to drive probably three miles and water probably all the way up the fender. Yeah. That's so scary. That, that yeah. was kind of crazy. I know when I was down there, I saw some buildings made out of like sheet metal, like industrial buildings where the winds were so strong that it had ripped the metal off. You could see like it ripped like a piece of paper off right. the side of the buildings. I know a lot of the farms and stuff. Down there, the you know, like workspaces are right. made out of that material, yeah. or they just kind of. Yeah, I mean, it had the same kind of damage as you could imagine. Yeah. Especially the the further south you went, the worse, the worse it, it got. Yeah, the worse it got. Man, that's tough. I know those people are hard workers, though. They yeah. probably recovering. You've been to the area yeah. since, I'm sure. Which I was in Arcadia last week, and the guy that we were working for, he said, you know, the hurricane tore down all our pump sheds, and we had to build them, and they were already all built. You know, and, mm. and it's been it's been only a month. And, you know, you got so many different groves with new pump sheds already. So they're getting after it. That's know? what I love about Floridians, man. Like, the next day, you can back me up on this, and you probably can too, when after the hurricane, everybody was just out. Everybody was out working. Right. No matter what. No yeah. Matter what it took. Yeah, no, the, uh, the, literally the next day after uh, the hurricane, I filled 300 sandbags. 300. Come on. Because, uh. We, I mean, at the time, we didn't think the, the rain wasn't coming in or the flooding wasn't coming in. And then all of a sudden, it was just like the surge started coming up. And so it was it was rough. But Good. No, yeah. I think one of the – I didn't see it, but one of the craziest things that I heard, you know, this guy was calling us because, you know, once it happened, you know, everybody's calling, when you come to check up on us, when you come to check up on us. And you got to think, within the first day of the hurricane happening, we already had 200 people put in claims. And it's been way more since then, but just on the first day after the hurricane, 200 claims came in. Hey, that's a busy work day at the office, bud. So also, that truck got a lot of miles, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all over the state. A lot of, of miles. It. We got a phone call from a dude from Boquilla, the island mm. that had a. I think he had like you know palm trees and stuff like that. Yeah, that kind of nursery. He said, "Hey, um, you know, when can you guys make it out here?" And I was like, "Well, I mean, do you got a boat to get us to your island? Like, there's <laughs> there's there's no way we can, we can get, get out there. there, right?" So. That was kind of crazy. But. That would be wild if he came pick you up on a boat. Gonna need a company boat. What do you think? Yeah, that'd <laughs> be a fun day at the office. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, it's it's 
kind of like what Brian was saying. I mean, I filled 300 sandbags. And, I mean, you look at all the linemen. The de- I mean, the oh, day man. the hurricane came in, I mean, you just see them. Like the day, couple the days Lined leading up, up and then uh, the trucks days after. after I mean, trucks. just yeah. Whoosh, yeah. I mean, headed south. I mean, they were going right into the Blonde and had no idea what to even expect. I mean, there's a guy working on. Uh, there's a crew working on uh, our power line that I said it fell down, and the uh, the whole crew was from Mississippi. And there was a. Uh, I don't know if people are familiar with water moccasins, but in Florida, a cotton mouth. Yeah, cotton mouth water moccasins, all different kinds of names for them, but um. It's basically a poison snake, similar to a rattlesnake. Um, and uh, these guys, they're, they're from Mississippi, and uh, all of a sudden there was a, a <laughs> cottonmouth that come crawling right up to the truck, and they're like, whoa, whoa, what is that? <laughs> and uh, they scared them off, to say the least. Uh, but I think you can say they... I don't they, blame them. Yeah. yeah they, they got rid of the problem. Yeah, they eliminated they, the threat. They eliminated the threat. Um, <laughs> but apparently, uh, I heard a couple other eliminated threat That's, soundings um from my uh from my house yeah, so i think they had a, i think they had a couple more run-ins but uh yeah that you we got to respect our linemen. i That's mean they right. they literally work their butts off and i think uh one of our buddies was saying uh that they have to work a minimum of 16 hours after storm yeah um after storm like repair or whatever so you got to think those guys are putting in crazy time i mean they that's love right. it because they're getting major payouts yeah. but, but that's it's, it's, that's a lot of work it's a, it's, a yeah. it's it's a lot of work and a lot of short period of time mm-hmm. but you're gonna make bank that's right well it's not necessarily a short period of time they're still putting up lines yeah. oh yeah lines but, later yeah yeah you're talking three four months they're still probably pulling lines and everything so. that's true I know that this tree services the people that get called in for like you know tree removal mm-hmm. brush removal there's a big company out of Kansas City that came into Polk County and got the contract through FEMA called the Kansas City Tree Service. They have 65 trucks down here. Mm. They have two trailers on the back that are huge. And all the equipment that carries that just cuts these tree limbs up, carry it up. It's mm. it's insane. They carry off like, I don't know, 30 tons of limber a day right. in the county. There's since definitely the- been a lot of support since the hurricane. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. For sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, you turn on the TV and you see all the time, you're like, um, for re- uh, hurricane, um, like revamp or whatever, help support hurricane Ian, um, people. I mean, you see it. We're, we're big Florida fans, so we watch Florida Gators on Saturday. I mean, there's probably six, seven commercials every single Saturday about it. Right. Very true. But. Very true. And I'm, I'm so happy for you, though. You seem like you found uh, a job that fits your lifestyle that you want, fits something that you're passionate about. And fits your schedule. Um, I know well, you do a lot of things outside of, you know, working in the citrus industry and with your company now that I'm interested in. I know you love to hunt. Right. I know you love to be outdoors. Um, I, I just, I know a lot about you and I kind of want to get that side of you too because I want I want people to see like the fun side of Danny Coke, not just the mm-hmm. work side. Right, right. Um, what's like, what do you like to do? It's your Saturday off, other than record on the World One podcast with us. <laughs> it's like, man, I'm going to go do this today, kind of relax and have fun. Well, you know, this time of the year. Oh, yeah, October. It's rifle season. I'm hunting. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's time <laughs> which, to roll. Which, you know, I, you know, my, my dad, my parents, Cuban, Colombian, you know, my dad didn't grow up hunting. You know, we have five acres behind the house, and I've always wanted to hunt, and that's something that I kind of, you know, just did it on my own, and... I love it. Like, it's just, that's all I want to do right now. I'm excited. I'm going tomorrow morning just to go sit and scout a spot out in Fort Meade for the rest of the year. Um, It's going to be early morning, but I'm so excited just to get out there. I love 
just sitting in a stand and just, you know. Love hunting yeah. mosquitoes, I'll tell you what. Well, yeah, that is true. <laughs> I will have long sleeves and I'll probably I sweat mean, a lot, but yeah. that's Florida hunting for you. That's like, right. But it's worth it once yeah. you're holding that rack in your hands. I mean. A lot and, of people uh, agree with that, too, that right. statement right there. Mm. But uh, other than that, you know, I love to fish. You know, hunt, fish. You know, hunt, fish, love every day. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> that was Luke Bryan, right? Yeah, yeah Luke Bryan. That was yeah. funny. But uh, funny. I like bass fishing. I love so. I mean, I love bass fishing. I love any kind of fishing. I love bass fishing, saltwater fishing. Uh, you know, I want to try new things. You know, I got a buddy who lives in Fort Myers, and uh, he he catches peacock bass all the time, and he's catching tarpons and late in ponds and snook, big snook in ponds. You know, I want to go down and do that with him. Just mm-hmm. something to add on to it. And I might get into a fish and saltwater tournament sometime. I will say, like, since I've gotten out of college like this, I've found the knack to want to do new things. Like, we obviously are doing this. But, like, this past summer, I spent the whole summer traveling. Like, I was all over the place. I went to every beach, main beach you can think of in the state of Florida. I went to Marathon, Key West, St. Pete, all over the place. And I went diving off of Alligator Reef um, in Marathon. And it changed my, like... I don't want to say life, but like I want to. It was that, different. Yes, that's like something I want to do like yearly. I right. enjoyed it so so much being down there, seeing all the colorful fish. I saw about a three and a half foot nurse shark, and the coolest thing I saw on that dive, man, was about a six foot moray eel, like the really like green ones, right. like about the color of that gator head right there. Ooh, it was insane. Huh. I saw it from a distance, so I didn't feel threatened by it, but it was still I was still close enough where I could still see the color, see how he moved. Man, that was like a whole yeah. a whole new thing. I was like, oh. I've never done that, but, oh. you know. You got to try it, dude. When you see that eel, that's the kind of stuff you see from a distance. Oh, yeah. yeah I, was, <laughs> I would say I was probably about like 100, probably 90 feet right. before he came out. I would try it, though. Yeah, it, it, dude, it was so much fun. I, I'd highly recommend. They say, uh, they say about those eels, like obviously people know that they like, they carry electricity. They can electrocute you. But they say, like, one of their, like, worst things is they bite like hell. Mm. Like, oh, they, like, latch onto you. Dude, the YouTube videos, their teeth, man. They just yeah. look like needles. Man, I was with uh, Brandon Jordan. He's He does yeah. the Jigging with Jordan okay. on YouTube. Yeah. I was diving with him uh, off this reef. And, dude, he was, like, right up next to it. Like, the eels swim in there, and he's just, like... Yeah, cruising along with this little jet ski mm. thing, and I'm well, like, he dives with gators and stuff. Yeah, like man, that. all kinds of stuff. He does like treasure hunts too. It's right. pretty cool. But mm. man, it was crazy. Like, I want to be like that one day. I want right. to be able to get up next to something like that and have that comfort level. But I'm just starting out. Just right. starting out. Yeah, I think y'all could have that. I'll be all right. <laughs> you don't want to ever learn how to dive. I'll, That's on my. I'll dive. List. I'll dive. But you know, getting close to you know sharks yeah. and stuff like that. <laughs> nah, y'all can have that. The cool, the coolest thing about it was I was like floating above the water. We were about in thirty foot of water, and I looked underneath me, and that's when the nurse shark came out. And mm-hmm. All you could see was just a silhouette, just mm-hmm. of the shark on the. Oh, it was so cool! How they just glide, man! It's so smooth. They're so peaceful. They don't right. bother you unless you go bother it. Like right. it was really cool. I highly recommend to anybody out there to go dive. Tell that to one of them surfers. I got to learn. Yeah, bro, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. They're, they're just trying to catch a wave, and and then here, there goes my foot. Right. <laughs> but a lot of those guys return to the water. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they love it. I, yeah. I mean, I do. I would. I think I would too. I would too. But you know, I I might carry like a pocket knife with me if I'm yeah. surfing again or something. See if I can like poke them. I know you like to deer hunt, and it's deer hunting season. That's what your main focus on. And he likes to turkey hunt. 
Right. Um, do you are you getting into that this year? And yeah, yeah, I am. Yeah. Well, actually, I think today is the beginning of the fall uh, fall turkey season in mm-hmm. our in our in our zone. But I think right now I'm just mainly going to focus on trying not to scare the deer away. So yeah. try not to shoot turkeys, which we got plenty of turkeys and stuff like that. But I think it might save that for the spring. Yeah, the uh, the fall season. I mean, I'll I'll touch on that a little bit. Um, we have in the state of Florida, we're the only um people or only state to be able to have Osceola turkeys. And so Osceola turkeys is just like a subspecies. Um, you have Merriam's, Rio Grande's, um, Osceola's, and and Eastern's. Um, and so those are the four species, but we're the only state that has uh, Osceola's. So they say they're the smartest turkey. They're very, um, very hard to hunt. And right. so uh, in the fall season, they're not responsive. So in the spring, when you actually normally hunt them, they're responsive because it's their, like, mating season. Right. And so in the fall, a lot of times you just, if you kill one, it's like if they, you know, walk past you. You're not calling one yeah, in. It's, or you're it's not, not as exciting, really. Right. And so, I mean, I've killed him in the fall. It's, right. Obviously, I love hunting turkeys, but, I mean, this the spring, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. The spring, boy. When you talk to him. Yeah. And so, well, y'all know, y'all know them, like, um, well, I won't get into that. So basically, you're talking the love language to right. a turkey. Yeah, yeah. And so you're you're sitting in the um you're sitting next to a tree, and you're you know you're calling a man or whatever, and they say turkeys have the best eyes in the woods. And so I mean, if you barely flinch, they'll see you and they'll haul ass. And so I mean, what, to be able to outsmart a tom, which is a gobbler, a male turkey, be able to outsmart a tom to literally come all the way in about twenty yards and to bust them. I mean, it's a huge accomplishment, right. like huge. And, and the, some people hunt them with bows. That's unreal. Yeah, right. because I imagine because on top of that, you have to draw your bow back, and still for them not to be able to see you, it blows my mind. I want to do it, can't do it. Right. You can correct me if I'm wrong. One of our buddies, one of our old coaches, he does a lot of bow turkey hunts. Remember, he would in high school. We were behind the field, and he would be back there with the bow shooting at the target. Right before this started the fall season, Coach Harold. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, yeah, he yeah, would. Yeah, yeah, he no, would. No, no. I remember like, you talking. Really I thought you were talking about somebody else. No, but yeah, he he was he's crazy about that stuff, and you know he's he he's not much he's not much of a talker. So, no, I don't, but he he's big on that and yeah. like golf. He loves turkey right. hunting, but that's what it takes though to be successful yeah. in a hunt. I mean, a lot of people are out there doing yeah. stuff like that. Right. He just so happened to just. Practice right where right. we could. Right I mean. by the baseball field. <laughs> I mean, it's very it's very doable. It's just from a shotgun to a bow in turkey hunting, it's like level expert to like. Turkey mode. Yeah. Right. Which, I mean, killing a turkey, in period, general, is yeah, hard. Yeah. yeah. But then you throw a bow in and you got to actually make movement to pull mm-hmm. back, then it's even harder. Man, y'all are making me excited. I'm ready to get in the woods <laughs> yeah, tomorrow man. I'm morning. telling you, you go... If you're not, you're like, oh, it's turkey hunting. Like for those outdoorsmen, get in the woods with somebody that knows what they're doing in turkey hunting. And so, like, go sit with somebody that can call, that can literally have those conversations. And whenever, so turkeys, like, they sit up in pine trees off, off the roost. And so, whenever they wake up, they fly down. So, a big thing is finding them off the roost and calling to them and figuring out where they're going to be and set up and then get into an area where they can, well, whenever they cross you, you're in a good shooting lane. It's just, it's so cool to be able to literally have a conversation with an animal and to bring them straight to you. And then they're so close, you can see them wink at you or they can, like turkeys will spit. Whenever they get hot and bothered, they'll spit. And you can, it, you can literally hear them like. That's funny. It's very, very, very cool. It's all about the experience, man. That's what I tell myself. I love, I got into hunting, I mean, probably two to three years ago. I'm fresh into it. He helped me out a lot, I will say. 
Um, and I can't wait to go on a turkey hunt with them one day. I know it's going to happen. Um, but once I started getting into it, I learned the virtue of patience. Oh yeah, very big, virtue. big, like big time. Need it. And I learned to I learned to like my you know own thoughts. I like to be in my own kind of you know world for a little bit, and it's kind of nice for no distractions until the big one walks out. Obviously, but right. it's just nice to be out there. It's kind of peaceful, kind of just self centering experience is how I would describe it for myself. It's different for a lot of people. Right. Yeah. I want to touch on that a little bit, Brian. Um, Danny, I know, I know you're a man of faith. Um, you're a Christian and you're very outward on, um, on your faith. I know for myself personally, I mean, I, I'm same way. Um, and I, uh, when I sit in a stand and I like, I look across, you know, the field and I right. feel like I'm closest to God that way. Right. Like how, have you had any of those experience and sitting in the outdoors or what? I mean, you definitely do, and a lot of you hear a lot of people say that. You mm-hmm. know, this is when I feel closest to God, and when I sit out there, I just think about you know how blessed am I to be able to hunt out here, you know, because it's not my land. How blessed am I to be able to know people that allow me to do this? How beautiful is this that I'm around? Like, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people go lifetimes without experiencing that. Right. People twice our age. People have to work thirty years before they can experience that. So it's just you know just to be able to do that, you realize how beautiful it is, and you just Think about how blessed you are. I tell mm-hmm. I tell my fiance that all the time that we're just so blessed to be able to do that that kind of thing. Yeah, man. It's uh I actually made a TikTok about it and uh and I was sitting in the orange groves and I was dove hunting and uh and I kind of just said I was like you know it's crazy he goes there, whenever you sit in the woods you you have these thoughts and you're like dang I wish the whole world can see this moment right now right. and you take a picture of it and you're like oh no that's not a good one not and even you take close. another picture <laughs> not even close. yeah and then you take yeah. another picture of it and you're like well that's not a good one either then you take a video and it looks worse and it's like <laughs> how can I not capture this and I feel like it's one of those things whenever you're in that that essence you're like wow like right. you're almost in awe I will say that's how we were when we were the deer in North Carolina yeah um we were like taking pictures with it like no, it don't look right. Like it, it don't look the same, man. Right. Like they, they always look bigger in person. By the way, for any hunter out there, they always yeah. look bigger in person. Well, I'm I'm not even necessarily talking about like the harvest. I'm talking about the whole process. Like I'm oh, a guy, yeah. scenery and stuff. Yeah, yeah I'm it's be- It's beautiful. Yeah, I'm a guy that I can sit in the stand at you know get there at five thirty and pack a sandwich, and I could sit there from five thirty in the morning until eight o'clock at night and be content without yeah. my phone, everything. I like I like how y'all mentioned how beautiful it was. Remember the the valley or not the valley, the kind of low point on mm-hmm. that stand that we were in the woods in North Carolina. Wasn't that like just Yeah, there was a little uh to explain what Brian's saying. Kinda. Yeah, it's almost like a creek bottom. And so when it flows the creek will run through and um and it, we were up in North Carolina so there was lots of valleys and slopes and everything and the way kinda like the land rolled was very very cool, and then the sun would come through the pine trees and hit those valleys. Pretty cool. It was it's very interesting. We actually hunted the last three days of the season in the like dead of the winter, so the mm-hmm. rut the rut was gone. Right. Um, we were just kind of just out there, you know. It was like a little mini vacation, right? But we wanted mm-hmm. to try to get some meat if we had the opportunity, and lucky enough, we did. And uh, nice little solid six point walked out. Got them, got them in the cooler. It was a great experience. We made a lot of beef jerky out of them. Yes, That's we right. did. Yes, we did. And we're thankful for that. That was a really, really good experience. Oh, yeah. I mean, anytime you get in the outdoors, I think any any outdoorsman, it's like one of those things where if your buddy asks you to go fishing, even if you're not a fisherman, at least for <laughs> even for Floridians, yeah. I feel like this is most Floridians' um, 
I'm, I'm not going to say all of them because there's people that don't like to hunt and fish in Florida, but um, most outdoorsmen in Florida, I mean, if, if you're not a hunter or whatever, your buddy asks you and be like, hey, do you want to go hunting? You're absolutely chomping at the bit. It's just be able, be able to get out in the the woods and the ocean and the lake or whatever and be able to experience kind of like what we right. were talking about. It really gives you a whole perspective and being like how blessed we are to be able to live in this great state of Florida. Right. I mean, there's everything to do here. You have the beautiful beaches from the Keys to Tampa mm-hmm. to Destin and the Panhandle to, you know, the Green Swamp and Lakeland, the Everglades, the freshwater reserves. It's all over the place. It's literally like Jurassic Park in some of these places around here. Yeah. Huge monster alligators too. That's another thing about, you You mentioned the green swamp. A lot of people think of a swamp and be like, oh, that's, you know, it's, you know, there's no value in the land. There, you know, it's kind of gross. It's just water everywhere, mud, nasty. If you ever get the opportunity to be able to sit and be able to watch, like, a swamp or whatever and see cypress trees and pine trees, oh, it's a beautiful yes. experience. Like, very, very It's pretty. very cool, too. All yeah. the, like, people forget, too. We have, like... One of the biggest apex predators on our continent. We have panthers here, like right, right like yeah. more than they used to be. There's a lot of them nowadays. Like, yeah. um, but it's we have those. It's all over the place. It's so nice. It's so cool. Imagine I've catching seen, one of those and on a camera. I've lived know. here. I was about to say I've lived here my whole life. Twenty three years I've lived in the state of Florida. I've only caught a glimpse of it. Two of them, and they were both. I never have. Just well, in a picture. I have. I saw one. I was driving on the highway into Fort Meade, which is kind of our hometown, um, which is kind of, you know, rural. And I saw it run across the middle of the day, run across Highway 17 mm. into the other side of the woods. And I thought it was a big dog. Right. But I was like, there's no way that a dog was that big and had a long tail that was above his head. Yeah. And yeah. that thing cleared a four-lane highway like that, dude. Like, Oh, yeah. It was, they it was, tried it out. Yeah, man. Like, Four steps, he was in the, on the other side, gone. Like, I, I was mind-blown. The second time I saw it, I was behind the baseball field at our high school. Um, kind of off in the shadows, you could see, like, just the, just walking. Right. Just mm-hmm. walking the tree line, looking for turkey or looking for its evening meal. It's crazy. Are, that's a scary animal right there. Oh, like, man. Beautiful. Yeah. But, yeah. I, uh, I got to be able to see one. Um, I was I'm probably 18, 19 or so. Um, I was down at Thanksgiving, um, and my mom and I were actually riding around at night and, um, it was on our family's property. Um, and we were riding around and just had the spotlight shining or whatever, seeing what we could see, talk, talk and having live talks, whatever. And I was like, there's a pair of eyes in that tree, mom. And so we, you know, pull up there and I shone the spotlight on there and there's this panther chilling yeah, on man. like, I mean, we're 20 yards away, chilling on the, um, the top branch. And then we shine down and then there's another panther on the ground staring at us. Ooh. And so, I mean, we're 20 yards away from these. It's, it was a mom and a cub and I got pictures like real, real close. And it's kind of that you're in awe, but you're at the same time, you're so uneasy about it. Right. And so we ran back, told the family and we're like, Hey, anybody else that wants to go see these Panthers? It's, you know, it's once a lifetime chance. You may not never be able to see them again. So, I mean, we had 15 people out there with cameras and huh. video cameras and everything, but they're beautiful, man. It, they're like, it's a, it's they're a respect sound. though. Yeah. Right. yeah you you got to like, respect You'd be them. like, yeah, if that thing moves, we're Let's gone. Get out of here. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Like, cause it's not one of those, I mean, they're, pr- very much protected. So if they like they come at you and you kill one, you're going to jail. You're yeah, probably going to jail. Like they, you have to have scratches on you to be able to get away with it. They are protective yeah, as a yeah. species. Like yeah. they don't mess around. Like they got cubs. You better mm-hmm. better get out of their territory immediately. Yeah. Um, I I love it. I love where the conversation's gone. I love 
that you like being outdoors. Me and some others love it. I mean, heck, look at the table right there, uh, right beside you, the wall <laughs> yeah. behind us. I love to fish. Uh, some others, the hunting of us too. Um, other than you know the like outdoors, is there anything else you like to you know dabble with? I know. Um, you know, since since I graduated, you know, got done with baseball. You know, there, there's a way that you gotta gotta try to stay in shape. Yeah, because. Smothers knows this because we used to work together uh, the summer before our senior year. I was I came back the heaviest I ever been, and then I had a, obviously you lose it because you do all the running and all the yeah. training and stuff like that. And you know now that I'm done working out, you know I pretty much ride around across Florida all day, you know every, all day every day of the week. So I'm not very active. So I'm me and uh, I'm sure that we go to the gym a lot. So we try to go as much as we can during the week just to kind of stay in shape and stuff like that. I'm trying to get back into the gym. Um, I was lifting during the summer, and I got busy uh, with just life, kind of, right? Um, and trying to start this, try to get this back up. We've had some late nights recording with people, setting up, social media posts, kind of stuff like that. But I've been consistently running. I like to do cardio. Um, right. I, I don't know it. why. I, I just like, <laughs> I like the endorphins that you get from from it, that feeling, that, that natural body high that you get when you go run. Uh, like the other day, I was just sitting on the couch, and I looked at my... Why are you doing that? <laughs> this guy. I do like I get, to run. I get done running. I'd be like, what was chasing me? I don't, I don't get a high from it. I'm oh. like, why did I just do that? No. Like, you never, why did I just you've run? You've never yeah. felt that, though? You no, never felt that? I hate running. You've never felt that natural feeling in your body? Like, your legs just feel good after, dude. No, they, they feel, feel like, like they're like going to fall off. Really? Oh, man. I, I, I kind of like that. I get to that point. It was like when we run our mile and we get to that point. It'd be hot outside because we'd run in the middle of the day. No, brother. And <laughs> I'll be cramping up. I just, I don't know. I, I hit that kind of, and my legs feel good and my head feels good. And I just run. I just keep going. I think, uh, I think this is a good point to move into our snap questions. Yeah. <laughs> to get away from the jello the cardio. <laughs> yeah. Um, you want to start it off? Yeah, that's sure. What do we got? Which one are we going to go with first? Let me see. Hmm. All right. We're going to go with the staple. Danny Kokum, if you had three people at a dinner table, dead or alive, at any time period, who are you going with? Alive or dead? Like any anybody. Okay. Um man. I have some time to think about it, but I only got two right now. Okay. I'll probably think of a third one off the rip. But um, you know, no order. I like to talk to Donald Trump. Smartest businessman. Yeah. We've gotten that a couple of times. Right. Yeah. I like to talk to him because, you know, he's just so smart and he gets a lot of backlash. So, and he he's very, you know, composed. I mean, he's he's a guy that doesn't take no crap. If you if you give him crap, he'll give it right back to you. But he mm-hmm. knows, like, how to do things. And um, second, you know, I like, I like to talk to God. Yeah, that'd be cool. Just because, I mean, you got to think. I think about this all the time when you see, like, you know, you watch TV, you watch like murder mysteries, or you listen, you, you hear like, "How did Adolf Hitler die?" You know, yeah. hey, hey, hey yeah. God, what what really happened? You know what I mean, right? Stuff like that. You know, just mysteries that you don't know about, and just find out what really happened or why these things happened. And then third, let me think. Um, I'd probably say. I don't know. We have we've had several people. I mean, it's very cool to kind yeah. of see the. This is why we like to ask question because you can see the whole different perspective of everybody's life. So, I mean, you've got the people that got, you know, they do the comedians, they do the actors. You got the people that do very wise people. You got, you know, 
role models. It's it's very well, cool to kind of see where well, he, they gear it to. I like what he said. He said, God. Well, last night we were, me and him were sitting there trying to figure out who we wanted to have on today and kind of just setting up for the weekend and whatnot. And my girlfriend Reagan was here too. And she was going to answer her, the question on her own. She's like, well, I'm going to give me a new three. And she said Taylor Swift because the new album just came out, obviously. Um, and then she was like, you know what? She looked at me, she went, Jesus. And I was like, I'd never thought about yeah. it like that. Yeah. Be, they know it all, man. I mean, yeah. that'd be kind of... Uh, Any question answered. Yeah. Yeah. And on top of that, I mean, you see kind of the trials and tribulations Jesus went through. Right. And to be able to be like, hey, I mean, you went through the ultimate kind of ringer. My life kind of seems like nothing right, right now. How'd you be able to deal with that? Yeah, That is true. You got your third person yet? Yep. Who well, is it? Lastly, you know, this is just kind of like, you know, not very motivational or anything, but I'd <laughs> I, I like to talk to Bill Dance. You know, he's, okay. Okay. He's, yeah, like, okay. He's, he's like the Babe Ruth of fishing. Yeah. So, you know, it'd be pretty cool just to talk to him and hear all the stories. I mean, you see all the bloopers. You, yeah, he yeah, has, yeah. You, I'm sure he has some great stories so, to tell. So for those people that don't know who Bill Nance is, um, he is the guy that uh, you'll see him. He's always in a Tennessee volunteer's hat and he's always bass fishing. So, I mean, he's been on bass pro shop gift or uh, bass pro shop commercials and he does all, he used to have his own fishing show and he's, He's a character. He's right. a character. I, I would call him like the grandfather of like televised fishing shows. Yeah. Like that's who he is. Like yeah. when they started coming out with like fishing shows way back and when he started, I think it was the eighties, late eighties. Mm-hmm. He was like the first guy they had on TV, like teaching yeah. people how to fish. And he still had that beautiful orange and white Tennessee balls hat on. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. He's got a house in Fort Meade, doesn't he? He did. He sold it. Was sure. it the one? Like, outside, of, heading outside really, of town. Really, that was his had, house? He had a house that had its own private lake right in front right. of his house. Yeah. yeah like, so they, I, imagine that stocked this, pond. This was this was way back, which the house, I saw that it was it was for sale for $2.1 million, <laughs> which was, imagine, this was before, you know, where the yeah. prices, you know how the prices are now. So imagine that's what a, that that's was That's a $40-plus million-dollar property. Right. Easily. Yeah. Easily. And I bet our last guest, Sam, if we showed him pictures, the Fisher uh-huh. slash, he'd mm-hmm. definitely agree. Right. Definitely agree. So, yeah, let's, uh, Danny, if you could go anywhere in the world for 24 hours, just you, um, where would you go and what would you do? And it was like, basically, you were dying. Don't give us the, oh, I'd spend it with my family. No, no like, it's no. just you. Like, where would you go? What would you do for 24 hours? You know, this is this is an easy question because... I would go to Montana and I would elk hunt. Oh yeah, that's, yeah. that's, that's what a I dream. would do. That's it's a, dream, it's a right? dream. I mean, yeah, a beautiful state hunting a beautiful animal. I yep. mean, well, we talked about um, turkey hunting. How you have you know you call them in and this and that. And right. Have, you, you've ever heard those bugles yeah. that they do? Yeah, you can talk to them too. I want to do the axis deer hunt on the island. Um, I think it's Hawaii that they do it on. Really? Well, there's yeah. access to air all over state or all over the country, but I think that I've, I've seen That'd there's different they like, they like, stuff like that. They bring in people all year round because there's like this certain population, like the deer to people on the islands, mm-hmm. like insane because all they do is breed year round mm-hmm. and they bring people in on hunts all the time. Like just go get your, get your harvest and leave. Right. That would be cool to go to Hawaii and do like a yeah. blasting cast. I don't know if y'all know what that is. Like they, there's a lot of people that do like three day hunts slash fishing. So you go hunt in the morning, um, and then you go fishing in the evening, and so it's a blasting cast. Well, I talked to Brandon Jordan. Um, mm. He told me that Hawaii is different. So people, it's not owned by the state down there. It's owned by people, like the waters. They have sections. Mm. The really? People. Yeah. That's crazy. So like, the, you could go out there and fish on a boat, but you might be in so-and-so, this person's territory. 
Right. Well, you can't fish there because that's their territory and they didn't give you permission there. And they'll go out there and tell you, like, this is my right. territory. So, like, when he was trying to figure out how to go out there and film Hawaii and make this episode, he was saying, like, I was having a hard time people, like, letting me Getting fish their territory right. because, like, that's their means. Like, that's where they, they that's yeah. how they eat. Like, right. Well, it's and different. their livelihood, too. Yeah, like, it's different. Yeah. Like, they don't have the connections that we have to just go to a Publix and pick up groceries right. for as cheap as we do. They live off the land, like... Yeah. They 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 have their territories. Have you ever seen the the videos of the fishermen where they're just uh they're fishing like by a dock or something, and then some Karen or somebody comes out trying to tell them like, oh, you can't fish here, and they'll be like, well, you don't own the water. Yeah. Well, Hawaii's Hawaii, they thing. own the water. So. Get out of my water. <laughs> All right. Next snap question. You ready? Who is your role model? Um, you know, I would say that my role model is my dad, and I say that you know. Me and my dad, we're completely different, okay? <laughs> like, my dad's lived here for 30 years, and he still has a Spanish accent, and I'm here with a Southern twang and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> like, we're not we're not alike in many ways, but, you know, my dad is a very, very wise man. He, he hasn't taught me how to be who I am, but he's taught me how to be a good man. Mm-hmm. So he's a good example to look up to when it comes to that. So he's, for that reason, he's, he's my, mo- my role model. Nice. So uh, with Mr. Coca, he... Uh, so Dan and I go to church together, and anytime I see him, I'm a big Braves fan, and Danny's a big Mets fan. So so is his family. And if for those of you who don't know, we're basically rivals. And uh, <laughs> so anytime I see Mr. Coca, he goes, "Oh, the Mets, <laughs> the Mets, the Mets doing good, the Mets doing good." And, and I said, "Mr. Coca, the Braves are going to win the uh, the division." He goes, "No, the Mets doing good." <laughs> uh, his his dad's a trip, but I love him. I love your pops. Yeah. I I definitely see it. I see the. I know how you say you're not. You're right. Def- there's definitely comparisons yeah. there. Just right, like me right. and my pops, like we're not the same person at right, all. Right. But we definitely draw a lot of yeah. similarities. Yeah. Um, well, I think uh we're gonna wrap it up with this question, Dan. Um I wanna ask, you know, there's a lot of unfortunate people in the world. Um, you know, unfortunate circumstances and a lot of organizations that try to help out with that. Um, if you could pick one organization or one specific, you know, group of people um, to help out, who would it be? So, for instance, you know, you got the Make-A-Wish Foundation. You've got right. um, it's Men's Mental Health Month right now. Um, you know, you've got low-income areas. What what kind of target area of people that are in need would you try to go help if you could? I think if, if I could, you know, go out of my way to help anybody, I can't give you a name of an organization because I just, right. you know, the, the one that you hear the most is like Make-A-Wish and the yeah. famous ones and stuff like that. But I think I would try to help, you know, the foreign people that come from other countries. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm not trying to, like, target out, you know, you know, just, like, Mexican people coming across the border because there's people like my family and just all kind of, you know, Hispanics. And they don't even have to be Hispanic. It just be anybody coming. And, you know, a lot of these people, they get, you know, they come here and they get sent back, which mm-hmm. I, I get it. You know, you, you can't just you can't just come here illegally and stuff like that. Right. But, you know. And and you know you you both know this you know just as much as I do. Who are the hardest working people in the groves? Yeah, the Mexicans. Hispanic descent. Yeah. yeah, Hispanic descent. They those people work. They come here. They don't come here to be sorry. They get the work visas right. to come make their money. And they don't come back. here to be sorry. They come yeah. here to make money to support yeah. their families. They so do. If I could do anything to help them, it would be to you know come up with something that gives them permission to stay here as long as you know they're being productive and helping mm-hmm. out. Yeah. yeah. Now, if you're coming here just to mooch, you know, off the government and stuff yeah, like that, yeah, or traffic drugs then, or something yeah, like that, stuff like that, then you don't you don't belong. I think I think you definitely, if you ever found yourself with the means and wealth to f- 
fund that foundation. Right. You could definitely start your own foundation, your own act, right. and take that. Yeah. And I think a lot of Grove owners and a lot of people around here would definitely yeah. agree with you. If they could, it would be kind of pick and choose. Right. But I definitely think a lot of people would agree with that. And honestly, some of the people that I've worked with, you know, aside from being hard workers, they're they're honestly they're great people. Oh yeah. I've never I've never met like a a worker in a Grove. That's just been a bad person. Like yeah, I totally and agree. And they're always happy. And we all three have experience right. working out there. Yeah. yeah, they are. And they are the nicest people, They appreciate too. the little things. I always, They always offered everything, like right. help with whatever you're doing, whatever yeah. task. And, dude, I used to have... And wh- food. Yeah, all the time. <laughs> the, like, the best food. Right. And that's another thing. They always make you laugh. Right. Like, yeah. every single thing they say to me is hilarious. Yeah. Like, we've got, we've got a, a worker that works uh, with myself and we'll be fixing irrigation or something. And uh, it's, I call him Joe. We all, everybody calls him Joe, but his name is Inglesias Garcias. And, uh, <laughs> <Come on. laughs> and so, uh, and so he, uh, he was from Mexico and he, um, he got a uh, green card, went to uh, Texas when he was seven, He'd been here his whole life. And he said, he was like, all I know is working in the fields basically. Um, and he said he never went to school, never did anything, never learned how to read or write. And so he is 65 years old, still does not know how to read or write. Mm-hmm. And uh, he just, he finally got to the point where he's like, I want to become American citizen. I've been here my whole entire life. I feel like it's time. He goes to immigration and he passes his test and everything. And so he's finally becoming to be a, uh, a U.S. citizen, which I think is so cool because you see those people where they've come out in a green card and they absolutely bust their back their entire right. their entire um lives and then there's people that come over illegally which is unfortunate situations and stuff like that but i feel like as a country we really need to honor some of those people right really looking at their stories but yeah well danny i really enjoyed having you on today um you've shed light on a lot of different topics around here you're the florida man you covered you know the citrus industry the recent events with the hurricane tragedy that we've had and how we've bounced back from it um, the awesome people of the state. I know me and Nathan love having you on. I know you're a good buddy of ours. Or, mm-hmm. And we want to, you know, have you back on one day with a different perspective. For sure, for sure. When we, you know, kind of get bigger. And um, people like you help us out a lot. So I appreciate it. Yeah, guys. Uh, don't forget, you know, we, uh, we're on social media. Roll the number one podcast. We're on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, whatever, and then I know Danny is um, starting a little fishing um, page. What's your uh, what's your fishing yeah. page called? It's called First Cast Fishing with three Ooh, underscores. Nice little ring to go. it. Nice yep. little ring to it. Now, if you ain't seen a post in a while, I ain't been fishing in a while. I've been working. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you got to cut me some slack. But uh, yeah, so uh, he followed the rule on podcast, so we uh, will probably follow that page back in his personal account as well. Yeah, so go on there and check him out, Danny Coakley. Everybody, thank you so much coming on until next week the rule one podcast brian spradlin nathan smothers signing off peace guys